Last week, we talked with Mrs. Minnesota about dreaming big. In this episode, we ask an Enneagram coach point blank which personality types are capable of leadership. After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots into for-profit leadership later, we're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. We are so excited to have Jackie Brewster back with us this week. Uh, Jackie is a certified Enneagram coach. She's a certified experiential specialist. She's also a speaker and author. Uh, She's a phenomenal leader. And we are so excited to have you back today, Jackie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. I'm excited that we get to dive in because the last short version interview was so interesting, but now we get to spend a little bit more time actually talking about um, you and what you do. So Jackie, would you start by just telling our listeners a bit about yourself and about your backstory? Yeah, I'd love to. So I grew up in Massachusetts, moved to Florida, uh, met my husband there, and then married him in this short, quick romance, nine months from beginning to end, um, different states, you know, it's what we all we all dream that this is what our children are going to do, right? <laughs> Anyways, married him, moved to Nashville, Tennessee, where we did music business and ministry for over the past twenty years, um, and we have four amazing children. We live in Franklin, Tennessee, um, and I have found my passion uh, through the process of, of trying to figure out all the years of like what do I want to do and feeling God really pulling on my heart and, you know, doing stuff with um, different nonprofits and inner city ministries and doing stuff with single moms, just really being a part of wanting to be a part of what God's doing. And then uh, around 40, uh, my husband and I started our own company. So we help businesses and people um, overcome being overwhelmed. And so he does it on music business and church leadership and development side. And I do Enneagram, um, and so this passion happens, it, it just kind of, it's always been there, I think, um, with this desire to help people. And my husband saw it and just kind of pushed me towards the Enneagram. Like, hey, this is something you're passionate about. I think you could really do this. I think this is like really in your lane. And so uh, I took a leap of faith and got certified, went on to onsite um, and got certified through their experiential specialist program. And really, I just kind of merged the two together. And, um, and I see clients. Uh, for 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 hour long sessions and um, I wrote a book that comes out in February of another yeah. project I know that's right exciting. another project coming out in 2022 um, so I mean that's a lot of information right but that's kind of like the very fast version of how I've gotten here today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love that. Can you talk a little bit? So you said that there was, you know, the years of you were doing stuff, but you're like, there's still kind of something that I feel like I'm moving toward, but I don't really know where that is. I think a lot of our listeners, I mean, I think everyone experiences that, but, but what was that like? <clears throat> what was that like for you? And what advice would you give someone in that season of life? Yeah, that's such a great question. Cause it was a long season, you guys, like a very long season. I knew at 13 that I would do something in ministry. I was like a wild child though. I will say, um, I loved God, but 
you know, it took me a while to really get on the straight and narrow. (laughs) (laughs) But I just knew, I knew he had something for me big time and got married at 21 and, um, and was in ministry around ministry. Um, but I really felt, I felt, I don't know. I just felt like this thing, like, um, I felt like I'd write a book and I thought it would be something different than the one that I wrote. And, um, we had gone through lots of stuff in our marriage and in our, with our children. And, um, you know, one of my kids has some medical conditions. And so it's just been a really long road, a really long, long process. And I kept thinking like, God, when is it going to be my time? Like when, Hmm. when am I going to actually get to walk out this thing that I feel you stirring inside of me? Like when, um, when I did and I, it was like around 36, 37, 38, right in there. I really felt like God was saying like, I'm preparing you. Like all the stuff that you walked through, like, I know I planted this seed inside of you, but it had to grow. You didn't know what to say. You didn't have what, you didn't have what I needed you to do to deposit into the people today. Then Mm. you had to learn, you know, you had to go through some really rough stuff. You had to have, um, some understanding, which makes a lot of sense with what I do today. I had to have empathy and compassion. I had to have, um, you know, my heart had to break so that it could break with other people. So Mm. I really, I can see how it happened. It took a long time. It was a, it was a process of like, when is it going to be my turn? Um, but you know, it was, it was patience and persistence. Um, and it was doing the next right thing. So I didn't sit still and just say Mm. like one day something's going to happen. Um, you know, because I think that there has to be movement for, for the magic to happen, right? We have to move forward. We have to take risks and chances, um, you know, and sometimes they're calculated risks and sometimes it's just jumping out of the boat and praying (laughs) to God it's going to work. Um, but that's kind of what it is. It's this balance of, of, of faith and work. Yeah. So like when you, when you kind of cross that line of like all of a sudden it's like, okay, I kind of, I can see that the pieces are starting to sort of fit together and then you move, started moving toward like, how, how do you turn that into, into a, an actual plan of action? Because I think like Lisa was saying, I think a lot of people find themselves in this kind of like in between spot, right? And maybe they're starting to figure out, they're starting to see the pieces of like maybe what God's been doing in their life uh, leading up to this point, all the skills that they've been developing and the connections that they've been able to have and, and all that. But how do you start to formulate that into like a plan of action? I think that's a great question for, for me. (laughs) I have a really amazing, amazing husband, Stephen Brewster, and he is very strategic. So I am a huge visionary. I see all the pieces and they are like, swirling around and I can make all kinds of magic happen. Like, look at this, look at this. He takes all of it and funnels it and then puts it in a time, like a, a, a spreadsheet or a um, some type of visual for me to see of like what has to happen to make this thing come to fruition. Um, so I think that that was a big part of it. I had to have other people in, around me to help me do what I, what I was going to do. I couldn't do it alone. So, uh, and you know, that's part of my personality is, is knowing that I have to have other people that are more strategic around me to help me to, to go to the next place. I need deadlines. So I, I actually, um, I have somebody that is on our team that, um, she just helps me with deadlines. Like here's, these are the deadlines. This is what I need. Um, I need that. I need some structure and order in my life. So it was permission people to come alongside me and support me in that way. Um, and, you know, one of the other things I think Steve and I have always, since we've been married, the very beginning, we've always believed in multiple streams of income. And so we've, we've always, um, 
we've always, you know, I, I'm going to say we've always taken calculated risks until this last one when we literally jumped, we jumped out of the boat into <laughs> the ocean and had no idea what God was going to do. And he showed up in such a That's fabulous cool. way, which is not always the case. You know, sometimes we jump and we're like, oh my gosh, I think I just hit cement. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you know, so I don't want to make light of it. Oh, like this is just how it happens. It doesn't always happen this way. I think, I think God has just been very gracious and building and building and building. But part of it is, is that we, um, Steve is a great connector and we have lived our life um, in a way that of connection with other people. It's been really important to us um, to live a life uh, where we value other people over over the process or the project or um, the position. Mm-hmm. So I want to know I want to know who you are. I don't want to know your title, kind of thing. Is but as huge for me because I want to value you as a person, not not the position that you hold. Right. So I think that that has always been a big part. So we have a we have a lot of people around us that have really helped. Um, and you know that love us well that have helped me get this thing off the ground um it's slow i will tell you that i work way harder than i than i get paid <laughs> like way more hours than i'm getting any money for um and i think it's part of the process i watched steve do it for years i watched him hold a full-time job and still have a side hustle and i've watched him give 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 and you know a lot of the times at the beginning of this stuff we're giving for free we're giving mm-hmm. out of um you know, we're sowing the seeds. We're hoping for a return on the investment at some point. Um, so there's a lot of that that I still, I love to do that. So, you know, when I see a need, I want to help meet it. Um, especially, you know, single moms have always been a huge, a huge part of my life. And I was raised by a single mom. And so I think that, um, you know, when I can do anything into that, and I also have a huge heart for, um, missions of all kinds. And so we sow, we sow, we sow, we sow. So we're faithful in sowing. Um, and, you know, and we just, I want to, I'm going to say that, like, we just trust the reaping process of that. Mm-hmm. No, that's a smart, like, that's a great plan. Like, you know, I talked about like a plan. Farmers have a plan. You wouldn't say that farmers don't, uh, <laughs> they're just like random. Like they, right. they know that when they sow stuff, there's going to be a return back on that. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, stuff that I've been studying too in the last you know, couple of years, especially with internet and marketing and all this stuff, it used to be so different a hundred years ago mm-hmm. where it's like you could put out advertisements, but now it's since the connection so level is so much more uh, visceral between mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. it becomes more important to actually act like people to each other and give yeah. and be kind and, you know, be generous with each other. And that's what actually is the sowing and reaping process. And we see that in business now. Mm-hmm. We see that in mm-hmm. marketing. We see that in our day-to-day lives with the way that we treat our spouses and our kids. <laughs> it's such mm-hmm. a, and that's a great plan. You know, it's not random. It's just a, it's an easy way to look at it is let's treat this like we're farming. Let's sow some stuff and right. expect a return. Yeah. Yeah. I think simplify it. I think that that's what I would say. Simplify the plan. Um, mm, you know, it's, it's bit by bit. So it's, you can't eat the elephant all at once, you know, so it's bit <laughs> by bit, making it really, um, you know, accessible um, and also applicable. So, you know, and, and I think that, you know, this generation coming up, it's like, what are you passionate about? You know, go after what you're passionate about. Don't settle for anything less. And I'm going to challenge that, you know, like, we can pursue our passion, but we have to have a paycheck. And so 
there's there's really there's a lot of purpose behind having a having a job that pays the bills that mm-hmm. allows you to go after your passion, you know. Um, so don't quit your job ahead of ahead of the the position, you know what I mean? Like don't quit right. your job mm-hmm. when. You, you know, so I think that that's the, that's the kind of stuff, you know, we've done music business for a really long time. So people will be like, so excited to get a music, you know, a record deal, it's a little different nowadays, but it's still really exciting <laughs> to get a record deal. Um, and then they got the record deal and we're like, Oh buddy, this is just the beginning. You have never right. worked harder in your entire life. <laughs> we're about to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, I see a lot of similarities with launching your own business in that same way of like, whether it's nonprofit or for, for profit, it's still, you've got to work it, you've got to work it, um, you know, but it, you still have to make a paycheck. And mm-hmm. so that's the, the the important part that I want the younger generation to hear. <laughs> you <laughs> Not know, live in your parents' so basement forever. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Your plan B should probably involve a little bit of your own ability to provide for yourself. <laughs> yes, yes. But that's, yes. that's super smart, too, because like, if if you got to be able to invest in a project for five years to even start to see a return, you got to make sure that you have the fuel to get you through those five years. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's going to, that's going to mm-hmm. include money. Mm-hmm. You're going to need an yeah. inflow of cash from somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go and ahead. I, yeah. I would say that the, the, I think that that's a big part of it too, is the margin, having margin and margin oftentimes when you're doing business means money, you know, money and time. So don't overbook yourself. Um, you know, your time wise either, you know, I've, I've learned my girlfriend calls it like block scheduling I, i'm sure lots of people call it that you know i don't really like to be blocked in so i'm like i don't know let's just it's call free, it it's freedom monday. scheduling yeah monday i do this and tuesday i do this and maybe i get to have lunch with my friends uh, but you know really kind of planning things out where there's still time i'm a mom of four so it's really important to me that i that i have time with my children and mm-hmm. so i have to figure out the balance of all that so it's really important i think too for margin for time management so that you're taking care of yourself because we can't we can't give out of um an empty vessel you know so we have to figure out how to fill ourselves up there has to be we want to give out of an overflow um and then it's it's, life is just easy when we're given out of overflow than when we're given out of empty uh you know so it's the same with finances so we want to make sure that we're not shooting ourselves in the foot (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. and like we have this big vision well we're how much money we have ten thousand dollars in the bank and you quit, you quit your job, and you're gonna who's gonna pay your rent, and who's gonna buy your groceries? It's all those things, <laughs> right? You know, so um, yeah, I really think margin is key. Yeah, and really counting the cost. You know, <laughs> thinking through ahead of time, what's this gonna actually cost? What's this gonna cost time wise? What's it gonna cost mm-hmm. energy wise? Right, and is that is that mm-hmm. a place where I even want to live? Because I think people look at and say, uh, well, you know, they say the grass is always greener on the other side, and I think a lot of people hop the right. fence, and then they realize like. Whoa! I didn't think about this. It takes work to get green grass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, t- it takes work to get green grass. It does. Yeah, oh you got to go through a lot of crap. A, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yes. yes. Yeah, I think it's. It, it. Yeah, that's a great point. It really. The grass is not greener. Right. You know, I think it's. Um, and we've seen a lot of people jump jump ship, come over thinking it's better, and then be like, "Oh my gosh, how do you pay for insurance?" How do you pay for this? And I'm like, yeah, it's a lot of money because, you know, I don't know how much of this you want to even get into, but it's, you know, like what you make on a base, you know, say you're going to go and speak at something, whatever. It's like 30%, 35% taxes. Mm -hmm. So it's really, you have to make 
so much more than your income that you were bringing home to cover the other all stuff. those extra expenses. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's just a lot to think about. Really, there's a lot. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on a little bit because you've said a couple different things. Earlier you said, because I'm an Enneagram 7, so I have people around me who hold me as schedules. And then, rec- and then after that, you're like, I don't like block schedules because I don't like to be blocked in. So I'm sure being an Enneagram coach, you hear a lot of, because even I hear this and I'm not a coach. So <laughs> people saying, well, I'm this Enneagram number, therefore I can't do or I won't oh, do. Love it. How do you respond I- to that? Yes, I love it. Thank you for that question. That's I love that question. Um, be, so, you know, I what I love about the Enneagram is that it is um, just really this tool that helps us look at patterns of behavior. Where did these behaviors come from? Why did we adapt? What, you know, are they working for us today? Should we continue these patterns of behavior? So when we understand that what we do is not who we are, that it's patterns of behavior we developed, to keep ourselves safe, to get love, to get our needs met, all the things and that we started developing these patterns as early as two, um, then we really understand, can begin to understand, we actually have control over the patterns. They don't control us, hmm. okay? It takes a lot of work, though. You you know, you have to acknowledge uh, what's happening in order to change it. You cannot change what you're unwilling to acknowledge. You also cannot feel what you're unwilling to feel. So mm. for, you know, for people like me and other members that don't like a lot of those lower emotions, um, I, it's like, I don't know that I want to do that. I'm just going to kind of keep running the way that I've ran because going into those lower emotions, I don't really like It's that. a bummer. Um, <laughs> let's, let's just stay up like, uh, How long do I have to stay there? Um, you know, and so it's kind of learning. So what I get to do is I get to help people by showing them like, okay, well, this is where these patterns are coming from. This is what's happening. You actually have an opportunity to change if you'd like to. I always invite people into the conversation. I invite people into the change. I never demand or tell people, like, you don't have to live a life like this. Um, it's more like, if you'd like to try something different, we, we can look at that. You know, if you'd mm-hmm. like to uh, look at things differently, we can try that. So as an seven, as an Enneagram seven, the enthusiast, um, I know that I have a lot of crazy thoughts, visions, all kinds of stuff. And I know that the healthiest version of myself has um, a schedule and some boundaries. Um, I just have to talk about them differently. Because <laughs> you got to trick your brain into thinking it's a, this, this isn't a bummer. It's a good thing. <laughs> yes. And so what I did learn early on, so I used this, uh, this proverb, it's Proverbs 8.12. This is I'm Lady Wisdom. I live next to sanity. Knowledge and discretion live just down the street. Hmm. And I I read this proverb uh, years ago, probably 10 years ago, um, and my kids were little. It was crazy. I wanted sanity. I felt like we were living in chaos. Uh, at the same time, I'd, I'd read Lisa Turkers's Best Yes, and, mm-hmm. I, and I started to understand that I have control over um, my life, and mm-hmm. I have control over my yeses and my noes. And so putting some boundaries around my life allows me to live in freedom within those boundaries. And so that's a lot of the work that we get to do with, um, you know, if I'm coaching you, as a client, right. that's a lot of the work we, we work around is like, what does it look like to live within your set of boundaries? Um, you know, if you don't have a system or a plan or know what, how you want to live or what your goals are, then you're kind of all over the place. So we kind of just kind of hone it all in and um, really help you make some sense of what's happening in your life. That's really awesome. Yeah. Cause in years of ministry too, like we've seen, all, all sorts of different personality profiles and stuff. You know, there are tons of different ones, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But there, there are people who will become like victims of, you know, what they register at. And I right. love that your approach is like, let's not, let's not talk about what you can't do. Let's just talk about what's healthy for you to do. Let's figure right. out like a positive way to look at this. So that way you're not just living in the dumps and living in the worst mm-hmm. version of an Enneagram mm-hmm. 7 that could exist. We're going to focus on the right. best version of an Enneagram mm-hmm. 7. Right. That's yeah. really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do have to go to the why. You know, we got to get to the why. Why are you doing this way? Why do you feel this way? Is there truth to that? We want to validate emotions and feelings, um, but we don't want to stay there. So, we, you know, there's some reframing that happens. There's a lot that happens in the sessions. Um, but, yeah, it's really helping people ask themselves the hard questions instead of becoming the victim or running away or hiding or avoiding. That's good. Show up in your own life. Ask yourself the hard question. Why are you doing what you're doing? You know, and really sit with it. Like, and it's little tiny things, you guys. Like, why, if I wanted pasta, did I make, you know, Mexican food because my boyfriend, husband, whatever, wanted me to do that? Like, why didn't I just make the pasta that I wanted? Does that make sense? It's like really small, tiny questions. Right. I'm like, why are you doing this? Um, you know, and sometimes it's like, because I wanted him to be happy. And, and it was important to me for that to happen in that day. And that's awesome. But not if it's like, well, I wanted him to be happy. And at the end of the day, I really want to know that I'm loved and wanted. And so that's why I made him that. Mm. Oh, that's a, deeper issue. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different thing, right? Yeah. Right. So that's, we really get right into those, um, those places that you know that you oftentimes don't even stop to think about why you're doing what you're doing hmm. wow i'm wondering how many times i've made mexican food instead of pasta <laughs> <laughs> well the good thing is you like mexican food and pasta so i suppose that's everybody not the wins. question though. <laughs> <laughs> nice reframing <laughs> so <laughs> nice reframing. So, Jackie, when you work with people, do you generally work individually with people? Do you work with couples? Do you work with organizations? Like, how do you approach that? Because they're all so different. That's great. Yes, I work all, I do all of that. So I do one-on-one sessions with um, individuals. They're hour-long sessions, and we go through all the different parts of the Enneagram. Um, it's really, it's really person-led. So um, I have a plan. I know where we're going to go, but I let my clients lead the way. Cool. It's about them uncovering and discovering who they are and why they do what they do, becoming aware. Awareness takes time. We don't want to rush, rush the process. Um, mm-hmm. I also, I love to do stuff with couples. So I do stuff with couples and it helps them really understand each other, gives them great insight of like, oh, this is what's actually happening. I'll tell you this funny little, quick little story. So Steve and I have been married for 20, at this point it was 20 years, maybe it was 21. Um, and we had gone to the pilgrimage festival, just he and I, and I had seen a uh, like this on Instagram, a little quote that was up and it said, um, crazy makes, um, crazy makes stories, safety makes plans. And I said, Oh my gosh, Steve, I think I want to get this made for our house. I think it's great. And so she's <laughs> like, I think it's awesome. And so I was like, okay, the next day we're having coffee. And I said, you know, that, that thing I want to get made that crazy makes stories and safety makes plans. I can't wait to get that. I really feel like we're just in such a safe place and we're making such great plans. And he said, hold up. I didn't, that's not what I got out of that. I thought you wanted crazy stories. And I said, I've always wanted safety plans. Always. Even as a seven, I have always wanted safety and plans. And he said, I have misread you for 20 years. Whoa. I have tried to give you crazy stories and all you've ever wanted was safety and plans. Wow. Huge moment in our relationship that shifted 
um, you know, in really the focus of attention. I, I love that, too, because, I mean, a marriage relationship is such a fun thing when you just approach it from, like, a discovery about the other person. Because you've been married for how long? And you just, just learned that within the last couple of years. It's, uh, right. it's such a such a really, really cool thing. Well, and it's so huge, too, because that just shows how we might be able to see something externally, but that doesn't mean that we understand motivation. Right. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not something that we talk about. It's not something that we've been taught to talk about, right? So when we, you know, so that's the work I do with couples. It's really uncovering and discovering parts of yourself with your spouse in the room. Like, you know, having having a support system, understanding how you guys can um, support one another, understand each other, give each other space and room to breathe and grow uh, with a lot of understanding. Like, what are the expectations? And so we really, we go through several different steps of kind of uh, the questions that nobody ever told us to ask 20 something years ago of like, how do you want to live your life? You know, what are the goals? Nobody, I mean, I, we did premarital, <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't quite, I do it a little bit more in depth than that. Right. Um, and then, yes, I, I go into organizations and um, in this season, we've done some zoom conferences. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's hard. Cause I, it's, it's hard to, um, I love it, but it's not as easy as if I can be in person, I can feel the energy in the room. And um, right. so I try to do that with Zoom. But so yes, I do Zoom or in-person meetings with teams. I help them overcome conflict. I help them understand um, different parts about Enneagram numbers and uh, what they're hoping for and longing for within the workplace so that you're going to get the best out of your people. Um, I help people grow in empathy and compassion. It's really kind of what good. I do. <laughs> Those are uh, useful yeah. and, <laughs> for sure. Especially yeah. in the workplace. I mean, everywhere, but yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do all of that. I love what I get to do. So I've got a question. So, so since you, you see you, you take your knowledge and experience into workplace environments and couples and all that stuff, I've got a question about how, do, how does the insights from Enneagram then translate into insights about leadership? Because you've seen lots of different leadership styles and stuff over the years. And I'm guessing you've probably seen lots of different people in different Enneagram numbers leading and things like how do those two worlds collide? Mm-hmm. That's a great question too. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, I really tailor the sessions to that specific organization. And so depending on what I'm going in for, so if it's conflict then we're going to talk about how each number deals with um, conflict, what is the defense mechanisms of the numbers that you're seeing? How does this display in the workplace? What's happening? And, you know, also how different leaders um, show up in, in environments and what happens with the people around them. So if you have an eight personality type, the, um, the you know, uh, they're strong and, you know, strong, courageous leaders. So if they're showing up into an environment, that's your leader. They You can feel the energy of an eight when they walk into a room oftentimes. And so around that, you know, if you have a two that works for an eight, which is the nurture, uh, and they're trying to meet the needs, they're going to shrink back and they're really trying to read that eight and figure out like, what do they want? And they're, they're watching for body language. You know, a lot of people in the room are probably watching for body language of the leader. That's really strong. I'm mm-hmm. um, trying to figure out how to show up. And, you know, so you get a lot of dynamics in that. So we kind of can do some role play. Um, we do some stuff uh, with, with different experiential pieces that I get to do. Um, and that work of like helping people understand what stance they stand, you know, what stance they're in. Are they compliant, withdrawn? Um, or assertive. And so when you understand that in the workplace of of the people that you work around, like why somebody, you know, maybe it's not a boss, but it's it's a group of people that work together and somebody always feels like really energized and strong 
Um, but then this other person feel, feels quiet and you wonder if they're just not engaged or care, but you understand the stance that they're in. No, you know, energized and strong is awesome. So is quiet. It doesn't mean disengaged. Hmm. It just means kind of watching from afar, but still desires to be a part. So really kind of working through those and walking through that with people That's interesting. Uh, on a team level is fun. Have mm-hmm. you seen uh, some interesting examples of like, because I, I think we, I, I know an, a tiny little bit about Enneagram, <laughs> but I, I hear the example all the time of like leaders that are eights, you know, but like, yeah. what have you seen as far as like leaders with kind of different, like, I guess, unconventional well, leadership I think quality. what you're asking is, <clears throat> is like leadership relegated to certain numbers or do you see it across the board? So all numbers can be leaders. I'd love people to hear that too. All numbers can be leaders. There's going to be ones that just are d- more dominant. You're going to feel them a little bit stronger. So eights are, you know, eight, sevens, and threes are all assertive, um, all very strong leaders. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to feel that. Um, but all members can be leaders. It's going to be different. You know, I worked with somebody that was a one and he was, you know, he was a leader of a, a large organization. And um, I got to really watch how he interacted with his team and the understanding, the empathy and compassion he had around understanding because he really wants to be seen as good in the eyes of his team. And so then he's going to lean in and really try to hear what they're saying. He's going to be more empathetic um, and slower to respond. You know, twos, twos could be great leaders. Um, you know, there's typically there's a, a specific type of two, the social two, uh, feels a lot like a three. They climb the social ladder there or the corporate ladder. Um, they have a lot of energy. They want to see projects come to pass, but they also are highly relational. So they really care about people along the way. Sure. So, I mean, I could go through all of the numbers, right. you know, I don't know that we have time to well, do no, that. That's, but, that's super yeah. interesting. Cause like, I guess, you know, when you look at, I guess from my perspective, I, I always kind of look at like the face value of something and I'm like, wow, that person's really energetic. They're really charismatic. Uh, there was a book that actually came out kind of recently, the charisma myth. I need to read that book because mm-hmm. I bet it talks kind of mm-hmm. about this, but like a lot of people associate charisma with leadership and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. true because there's just different pitfalls right. that you're going to mm-hmm. fall into, whether you have a lot of charisma or if, if you don't, you know, right, right. Yeah, wow, it really will depend on who you, who you, like how you decide to, you know, whatever Enneagram personality you are and the awareness you have around yourself and then who you work best with around you, hmm. you know, so when you understand the challenges, so like a, an Enneagram three, the achiever working with a Enneagram eight, um, those two, those two personalities could have conflict around who's going to, who's going to lead because they're both strong leaders. Sure. And so there's tension around that. So they have to respect one another to be able to lead um, side by side or to be able to one for one to submit to the other's authority. But when, when they don't, this is where you start to feel the push of like um, not, you know, maybe not respecting a decision or something like that that happens within the organization. So it really does, you know, it, it's helpful for you to understand who you have on your team, how they function, um, you know, and what's happening in their head around leadership and, sure. and uh, you know, submitting to authority. Well, you know, there's quite a few numbers that they want to trust the leadership. So totally. Oh, that's so good. I wish that we could spend more time on this, but uh, <laughs> we do have to wrap this up. Uh, Jackie, I have one last question for you with today's interview. And it's uh, what does the idea of building a legacy mean to you? Oh, I love that. I think I love all your questions, you guys. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> I keep saying that. I love that. The building a legacy. I would hope that Steve and I are building a legacy that we can pass down to our children right now. Um, you know, a legacy of faith, 
and of, of, you know, chasing after God hard, even if it doesn't make sense to the people around us. Uh, that's really, really important to me. Um, but also a legacy of loving kindness. Uh, that we teach our children to love people regardless of, you know, position or, um, or you know, race or anything like that. Like, it's just blanket love and compassion. Um, so I want those things to go before us, you know, and a legacy to pass down something to our children that they can can be proud of. You mm-hmm. know, I, you know, I'm watching my children. They're, all, they're watching us do this. And uh, we have an 18-year-old, 16-year-old, and then twins that are 11. They'll be 12 in just like two weeks. Wow. Um, but in listening to them grab a hold of what we're doing, like, you know, um, our son is like, hmm, I maybe want to do something like voiceovers, like, and, you know, and I think it's, he's had experience and, and um, which is not what we do, but he's had enough experience to see like life is big, you know, and then the girls like, I want to, I want to do what daddy does. I want to do what mom does. But I want them to, ha- I want them to be able to carry that. But I think the most important thing, legacy, I want my kids to have is that they are um, followers of Christ and they love people well. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, you can have all the money in the world, but I want them to love people well and to love God. Oh, that's so good. Um, Jackie, our listeners, I'm sure, want to know at this point, where can they find you and uh, contact you if they're looking for coaching or follow you so that they can see what you're working on? I have a, I have a website, Enneagram with JB. Uh, that you can go dot com enneagram with jb dot com that you can go to and all my stuff is on there. You can you can contact me that way. Um, also on Instagram, it's enneagram with jb. You can DM me there, ask me questions there. Um, I'm on Facebook as well. Um, so I'd love for you guys to reach out, ask anything you want. You know, get connected and coaching. It'd be so much fun. Awesome. I and also the, have oh. a huge announcement. Yeah. I have a huge announcement. Yes. So I have a book coming out February 9th. Um, it is an Enneagram devotional. It's a 52 week oh, cool. Enneagram devotional that is so beautiful. It's hardcover, um, full color, and it has meditation practices, prayer, uh, you know, prayer prompts, application questions. And, uh, it's just such a great resource for you to like dig into and really, um, uncover and discover the best version of yourself. That is such a cool idea. I'm really, really excited about I'm that. I'm excited about that too. <laughs> now, you can pre-order it right now. Um, if you go to my website, you can do it there, or it's at Am- you know Amazon, Barnes Noble, Books a Million, all those places. Sure. So um, I'd love for you to do that. Yeah, yeah, we'll include a link for all that stuff, including the pre-order link in the show notes for this podcast episode. Awesome! Thank you so much for being with us today, Jackie. You are just you have so much knowledge and so much wisdom, and we so appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone, stay tuned for next episode where we talk with two nonprofit founders who successfully pivoted during COVID by recognizing a few key things. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this content and feel that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to go to iTunes, subscribe, and while you're there, leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com.